Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And we have a great episode here for you today. This is our magic, bringing the magic of magic to D&D Part 3. Uh, we don't have an ending to this series, but it's the third part of an installment uh, that's going to keep going we forever and ever and ever. End this. <laughs> Until the day we die, we will do Magic the Gathering. I guess once, you know, Magic dies out and eventually... No, even then, so there's so much lore behind it, we'll just keep doing it. So after there's, your there's literally no point where it will ever end. Never, never. We will hire... And of course we have magic, hashtag Magic Mark. Hashtag Magic Mark is in Woo! the house. He's excited to be here. We got a lot of stuff we're going to bring to you about three specific races from the lore that Magic the Gathering has created. You may recognize, if you've played Magic, you'll probably recognize all of them. Uh, and we're going to bring you some interesting traits of each of these characters that you can use for your games in D&D. It's going to be a great episode. We got everything for you today. We got our intro, we got our story time, we got our meat, our mailbag, our light bulb, and of course our outro. And if your keen listening ears are really, really strong, you might be able to hear the little child in her upstairs apartment screaming her head off, which, uh, there you go. We're sorry about that. Just we deal can't with do it. anything about that. Deal with it. We've tried. We've tried. <laughs> so, uh, before we get started into the story time, we got some shout outs to do today. Our first shout out comes from Nicholas Diggers. He gives us a five star review and it says, Mas Esquis Esquisito? <laughs> it says, Mas. God. <laughs> it says in Spanish, it says very excellent. excellent. It's which Mark, we asked Mark what the word meant and Mark thought it meant excreting. So Mark's yeah, he, said, a, he thought it said he's very like, I've excreting. I've been to Mexico recently. I know what that means. <laughs> he's like, I think it means excreting. Yeah, so I, like, I did not claim which, to know. Which, 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 <laughs> I just guessed with confidence. Apparently, there was a lot of confusion for Mark in Mexico. And obviously, I don't speak trip. Spanish, so that doesn't help us at all. But thank you very much for this review. It says, very entertaining podcast for DMs and PCs alike. These guys get me through work every day and jumpstart my creative juices. Thirsty for more episodes. Well, have a drink, because here's <laughs> one right now. Uh, Alright, and then our next uh, review comes from Canada, our, uh, our friendly neighbors to the north. Uh, and it's entitled, Hadn't Thought of That, dot dot dot, by Invicta Stream. Uh, Invicta Stream writes, I've been DMing tabletop games for a boot over 10 years now, and while I'm... He doesn't write a boot. I just threw it in there. And while I'm confident in my ability to create a solid game, I have yet to listen to an episode of this podcast and not pick up something I've never thought of. After every listen, I feel a surge of inspiration to build on my current campaign and can't wait to apply what I've learned to future sessions. Thank you so much, Invictus Stream. Thank you so much, Canada. We appreciate that. We love you. Oh, Canada. All right, with that, let's go to story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. So if you have listened to our last episode, this is a continuation from the session that we talked about in that episode. Uh, last time we talked about how Kruor had just barely escaped death by getting hit by a javelin-sized arrow. Impaled by a uh, massive celebration arrow. Yeah, there was a big fight with the quote-unquote priests of Pelor, and the king 
thanked uh, you guys for the riders of Shemesh Adventuring Group for saving his life. And at the very end of our story, there was a messenger that ran, and as you guys were walking out of the king's court, telling the king, yelling to the king that the crow's fort uh, had been taken, where it is a pretty crucial place in our country that we're playing in because it's basically where you need to go a little bit past in order to get to this shrine that you guys are bringing sacrifices to the gods and so basically the army was getting put together and you guys were like all right here we go we're getting getting our stuff together we're going off chris uh crew bought a a griffin bought to a ride griffin. on yep. um yep. and everybody like suited up got ready and pieced out to go to battle and so today we're going to talk about what exactly happened during that battle for crows for you guys arrive it's rainy, it's about, It's like nighttime, and you guys are looking up at this big fort that's probably around 13 stories high. It's like built into the side of the mountain. Um, there's like two mountains on the side, just really tall tower almost, a big wide tower in a sense. And you guys get there and there's orcs all on top of it, all in front of it, and you guys know that the battle has not been area. going well. And so yeah. you guys are like there to help out with the rest of the army from the west so uh tell us a little bit about how that battle went the story of the battle for the crow's fort yeah so we show up and it's pretty much like any battle you would imagine there's kind of this like stalemate for a second where you're kind of just all looking at each other waiting for something to happen and all of a sudden we look up i, I don't remember was it somebody set like the the guy that was on the top yelled or i don't remember exactly it was How either it you started. guys heard it or somebody saw it or, or something like that. Which, One of the two things. Um, if it was a listen check, Rick's, uh, got, Rick's, it. Rick's got it because Rick's is our, yeah. our lap at our rabbit folk yep. who hears yeah. everything unless yep. he rolls a crit one usually. Yeah, and so we saw <laughs> we saw or heard or whatever. Regardless, we saw at the top of this this fort, we saw Cornelius Crow, the guy that kind of runs this fort. It's kind of named after his family, isn't it? That's, yep. how, that's what it's named after. Yep, Cornelius Crow on the top. He had, you know... Typical, he's a prisoner, he's got his hands bound, like, thing across, the, the gag across his face, so he couldn't say anything, couldn't scream, whatever. And we see this just orc, like, it looks like the leader of the pack, just push him or drop him or however he did it, just off the top of this fort. And so he's dropping, dropping, dropping 13 stories. I'm like, I think we all knew at this point in time, we're like, there's somebody that can save him here. <laughs> but in this world right now, arcane magic is highly frowned upon. <laughs> And so Wesley wonders the guys that the guy that is with us snaps into action. He cast what Featherfall, Featherfall yeah. and then he did some other spell that made him come over to us. So everybody, because all the orcs are like they're like ready they're, to skewer. They're him ready down to the skewer bottom. him while he's falling, not thinking, oh, if he lands on me, I'm dead too. Because they're orcs. So they're yeah, not they're just they're that. just thinking about oh, <laughs> pointy thing save yeah. life. Yeah, pointy thing kill and save life. Yeah. So he falls. He's fallen, fallen, fallen. Wesley does his thing. Pulls him over to us, and everybody's just kind of like, uh, uh, what? Who are we fighting now? Like, what are we supposed to do? And Wesley's like, we'll talk about yeah, this we'll later. Yeah, we'll talk about this later. Fight. <laughs> fight right now. Like, we got we got this goal in front of us that we have to do. right now than me casting a yep. spell, guys. Yep, so I, I have my griffin. Were you were you riding your otter, or were you just on, like, no, a horse? My otter is in, in the it's, tower. It's, it's, it's yeah. like 3,000 miles yeah. away. Spent all this gold to get a battle train, and I missed the battle. Yeah, that's all right. He's you were riding on the back of Groudhoof, Caleb's Groudhoof's character's horse. Yeah. horse. yeah, yeah. 
I still wish I could have ridden him because he was he's a druid and he could have gone into like uh, dire eagle form, which is medium, where my character is small. So technically, I could ride him. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> Future battle. Yeah, right. So, anyways, I'm I'm riding on my griffin. You're right. You guys are on your horses, and I fly into this battle on my griffin. I'm like a halfling rogue who can ride a griffin, and it was just like I want to see how my griffin can do fighting. He did awesome, but he took a lot of hits in the process, and so all of his health diminished very very quickly and i think he got down to like one hp or something i was like oh crap this is gonna this is gonna be awful if i lose the riders of shamash i'm the leader of it i have a griffin now this is the coolest thing ever and my griffin is gonna die one one side or like one day after i get him because like, it got pretty close it right? got to like, like one hurt, hp yeah. it was like one i think it was one or he was on like Two or one or something like that. Because griffins are expensive, and they're, there's yeah. reason for it. They're strong. Yeah. But you pretty much blew all of your money, and you borrowed some of Torx to yeah. be able to get the griffin yep. in the first place. So you didn't have money to get, like, I didn't have money to get anything else or anything, or anything like that. It was, yeah. like, it was just enough to get him and then fly into battle with him and be super awesome as a, <laughs> as a halfling. And so he almost dies, and he I was like, all right, crap. This thing's going to get out of here. So it, it flies away. We finish the battle in the lower part of the fort. And then we have to make our way up to the top where we saw, or are seeing, or whatever it was, to see the leader of the group that's There's up there. one moment in the lower fort that I want to touch before we get to the... Like, yeah, the go floor. for it. But, like, Torque, uh was riding his horse, and he was charging this oh, hill yeah. giant that came out of the door. <laughs> and, and, and explain, I think we've explained a little bit, but how do we run Torque? How do we use Torque? Uh, Torque's Tork, an NPC character yep. that's basically everybody takes a turn yep. using him. Because so you we, guys needed a meat shield. Yeah, <laughs> we needed a meat shield to fill the spot. And so Torque's a good chance for everybody to kind of play a different type of character. And in this point in time, I got to play Torque. And Torque's on his horse, charging into battle. He had gone through some orcs, and his horse took a little bit of damage. And he's going after the hill giant, and the hill giant gets his attack <laughs> of opportunity. And just like... <laughs> swings down his club and brings the horse to negative 21. <laughs> I thought at this point in time I thought of like in the Lord of the Rings where the the Momokil steps on the on yeah. the uh, the yeah. horse's yeah. head. That's what I imagined just but like with a big club coming but, down. Well, that's, that's what we said. I'm basically Mark, you took over when I hit him and you're just like, "Uh yeah, the horse's head is basically smashing around." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, so like completely demolished smash." And you're yeah. like, Oh, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's yeah. clearly dead. Um, <laughs> that hammer crushed him. Yeah. So I kind of, in my mind, because Torque also got a nat 20 to make the attack yeah. on the, tr the giant. So what I pictured was, like, the giant smashing the head of the horse. The horse kind of doing one of these. And Torque, um, I guess one of these doesn't work in podcasts. The horse crushes the front half as the back half goes up. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a catapult. Yeah. catapult and so Torque ends up with his great sword, like, putting it forward and just flying at the giant. Yeah. And he got a nat 20 with almost a max tumble damage. Check, and tumble, just like, yeah, we rolled tumble check, we rolled attack, and, and both of them were nat 20s. Yeah. And so he just amazingly gets off this horse and stabs this giant and the kind of slides, slides down. down. And then he's like, I'm ready to fight some more. Did he insta-kill that? Did he like... Absolutely no. not. No, he I was say, really he nice, yeah. but it was like, oh, good hit. And I think you guys are like waiting to be like, is he dead? Is he dead? And I'm just looking at the stats and like, oh no, not even close. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was this back and forth. Torx taking hit after hit because Hill Giants have quite the bit of a 
BAB yeah. uh, to their attacks, and they get two hits like every round full action, and Torx got that too, and so there's just blow after blow after blow, and yeah. eventually, who who came and helped Torx out? Uh, Groudhoof uh, came behind and, and just healed, cast heals. Right? <laughs> like from a distance. Yeah, yeah, that's right, he did. Torx was pulling aggro. Just out of just range. Like, you better not. And there was one time where Torx was at one. And uh, he got healed for a certain amount. Yeah. And he got hit, and it brought him right back to one. Yeah, I think it was like he got <laughs> like, healed for he like died right. If yeah. He, he didn't get healed oh, yeah. that round. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he got healed for like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Or so there was a couple those. miracle yeah. moments of Torque, just like eternal Torque. This battle healed. was whole kind of full of miracle moments. Yeah. Of yeah. Very near on death. both sides. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. So speaking <laughs> speaking of miracle moments and being near death, uh, you guys. So you guys. Got through the hill giants and basically you guys killed most of the orcs and then all of a sudden behind you the mountain started to crumble and more orcs and hill giants came out and it was like a trap kind of thing. It yeah. seemed like that they were trying to trap. Wanted you guys. us to get close so that yeah. they could just trap us from. And you saw in Wesley behind. Wonders and he just was like, "Go get in the tower, kill the leader." Go. I asked them to heal us before we went up. <laughs> like, dude, do something for us. We're, we're, we're hurting. And so you guys bust through the tower. We pretty much cinematic moments say, "Oh, you guys get." Go level and level. We didn't actually battle all of it out and say you kill orcs, you kill orcs, you kill orcs, and you break out the top of the to the top of the fort. Now you guys are at the top of the fort. Wind is blowing strong. Rain is coming down. It's nighttime. You guys are at the top. And oh, I don't remember any of that. I just remember the people that we saw. I remember him <laughs> saying wind and rain. I don't remember oh, really? nighttime. I don't remember <laughs> any of that. Well, <laughs> that well, makes it just seem like even more of like a Helm's Deep battle <laughs> yeah. in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. Talking about it more, I'm like, yeah, you can see similarities. Yeah. yeah. Inverse Helm's Deep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so when we get when we get to the top at this point in time, we are like, okay, who are we gonna fight? We before in the last episode we talked about how you know one of Caleb's visions that he had showed these people coming through yeah. a portal or whatever, and we I think we didn't realize like oh this is actually who we're gonna be fighting. It's just an orc group of orcs that are on top of this this uh, fortress, and we get up to the top, and there's this instant moment of dread for all of us who made characters who are like, crap. Yeah. We have to fight the bad characters that we made for a one-off campaign. Whoever won was going to be the leader of these bad guys. And we all just sat there were like, these guys are ridiculous. Yeah, and now been, we have to fight them. If you've been listening to the podcast, you might remember. It was a while back. We played a one-off uh, where they created evil characters. And it was basically a competition to see who was the gods like champion. And you guys knew through that campaign these bad guys that you created really well. Basically, all you guys were like, all right. This is the one time DM Mitch is going to say, min-max guys, go yeah, for right, it, because right. like, it's a competition. And so you guys created these crazy characters that were basically a, they were up there, now they're a level below you, but you guys know they are super strong, they're super well equipped. They're still going to hurt us when they hit. Yeah, and you guys are pretty afraid of what's going to happen in this battle. And were your fears fully realized? <laughs> Yes, they were, <laughs> because we started fighting them, and I remember, like, we all sort of remembered all of the stats that we had, and there was, like, the minute that Jacob's character went, the rogue, went invisible, we were like, ah, oh, crap, this sucks. <laughs> Luckily, though, you had something that allowed you, blind yeah, fight, right? I, yeah, blind fight, so he at least couldn't crit me from behind and, like, kill me, because I would have died. He could Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was pretty lucky. The worst part, though, was Jared's little 
wizard yeah, kid. Yeah, Jared's little annoying 12-year-old wizard yeah. kid that... What what damage did zombie he do? Zombie child now. Yeah, zombie child now who had his falcon, which you forgot about quite a bit. Which, pretty much yeah. the whole battle. <laughs> pretty much the, the whole falcon battle. just ended up floating in yeah, the same spot. he was just floating in the same spot. I was like, thank goodness he's floating in the Honestly, same spot. Honestly, the falcon wasn't that great. The falcon's best part was that it could deliver touch use touch attacks right, through, right. through him. But uh, yeah, Jared's character... Francis, the little messed up zombie kid, used against Torque, the meat shield used. It was strength damage, uh, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Feeble yeah. ray or the something. Ray I don't of enfeeblement. Yeah, ray of enfeeblement. So, and he got really good. So, what did who was controlling Torque? Do you remember what they I got down? Caleb, Caleb was, yeah. But it was like he just got weaker, and he hit him twice, got weaker and Torque, weaker. Torque got down to a plus one. Oh. With his two-hander weapon, yeah. Uh, when normally it's a plus nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh I, yeah. That was that was the moment where we were like, "Frick, this battle is not yeah. going to work." Because our meat yeah. shield is like everything yeah. in this battle right now. Because we don't really have a spellcaster who can do that type of stuff back. Mm-hmm. I don't think. No, no, we don't. Because Caleb's character is a druid, so he doesn't have the. Yeah, well, he's a druid wizard. So we're getting one, we're getting to the point where um, we might have something like that. Yeah, and then, but, of course. Rick's your character, Mark is like, Oh, he's in the background, time to shoot him, and you end up getting what? Oh, that's two right. Crits, I had two and... nat twenties. I was gonna do like fifty some damage. Yep. <laughs> and he had just cast like deflect arrows or whatever. And the thing was, is as soon as that happened, I was like, I made a horrible mistake clearing out the small orcs first. I should have just shot the stupid wizard right at the get go. Uh... But I made a couple tactical errors during that. <laughs> yeah, I remember the moment that you did that, and I was like, oh, shoot. I'm pretty sure he has something like this. And then Mitch was like, yep, you you shoot at him, and then the arrows just go in all directions away from him. And I was yeah. like, dang it. And I was like... Because you also, you, at that same point in time, you were deciding whether or not to turn and fight the rogue that had just hit you, or to fight the wizard child in front of you. Yeah, and I was like, if I kill the wizard... Maybe I can handle the rogue. Yeah. But I can't handle both at the same time. Because yeah. the other two characters, all of the other characters were engaged in combat with melee guys. And so it was kind of, I had this choice between fight this and fight that. All while I'm looking at my piece of paper and there's an 11 in the HP splat. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was literally like if I step forward, I incur an attack of opportunity from the rogue, I'm dead. If I turn around, I get hit by the rogue, I'm dead. If I try to shoot, I get hit by the rogue, I'm dead. So there was like this... Gotta at least try and do something. If I kill the wizard, I'm relevant to the battle. You guys were... You guys were really... I didn't even, as the DM running this battle, realize how screwed you guys were. Every single one of you. Chris, your character is a rogue. Totally his main point of damage comes from being a rogue and using sneak attack. You can't sneak attack zombies, nope. so you're screwed. Yep. Uh, Mark, the one position, like, well, you're like, I can take so down bad. a spellcaster. Protection from arrows, and then yeah. you're being attacked from behind by somebody who's invisible, and then it's like you're trying to get away, but if you step out of the range, you're going to get hit again and again. Caleb's character is getting grappled yeah. and punched by your monk character yep. from the previous campaign, and then Torque, the big meat shield, who goes up against the other meat shield, and it's like, alright, good battle, is getting hit by rays of enfeeblement, making him the yeah. weakest one of all Well, it wouldn't have guys. been so bad if the griffin could have been a part of the battle, yeah. too. Which, that would have changed everything. It would have been so Honestly, good. I, ex- I, there was a little part of me, and you can tell me now, because I never asked you, but was part of you thinking on your griffin of flying up to the top and attacking the head orc before oh, yeah. you knew what oh, was yeah. happening? I, I, yeah, I totally yeah. thought about doing that. Because I thought about, I was like, I thought about if I could get up there in one round, like, just flying as fast as I could, and I was like, ah, from where we were on the board, I was like, I don't think I can get up there in one round, and then I'm going to get shot at, 
and now I'm gonna get shot at again before I can get there. I was like, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna risk it. <laughs> so what I wanted to do is I wanted to go up there and like grab whoever that was yeah, and throw them off is what I wanted to do, but unfortunately, I didn't think yeah. about that. Which is probably good because uh, Jared Francis character little yeah. kid would have probably hit your Griffin with some rays of enfeeblement and <laughs> just dropped it would have sucked. <laughs> he couldn't even carry you. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I'm thankful that I didn't do that because of that exact reason. <laughs> I I remember sitting there and like I I wasn't the first one in the initiative and I saw was it was I think Torque was the first one in the initiative at that point in time I think. Uh, Cause I think he was the first one that ran, or maybe you were, but you shot. Yeah, but Rick's, it, Rick's I was like the third or fourth one down the row before the enemies went. So I, I was thinking, I was like, I'm gonna fly up there and get this guy because I just saw other orcs. I just saw other orcs lining the top of the the, yeah. the thing with them. We eventually ended up fighting them, but I didn't see the rest of the people up there. And I saw Torque run in and like fighting this hill giant. I was like, okay, there's a lot of these orcs that are trying to swarm around the back of him now it's more important for me to be down here. And so I flew in that way instead of going up there. But yeah, I remember having that thought where I was like, I could probably go up there and kill this guy. Mm-hmm. We kind of all realized what was going on, but we didn't realize what was going on. And so I was like, I could probably take this guy and end this before anything bad could happen to us. Yeah, but I just remember Caleb's reaction of getting to the top and you guys have already been through the mill with the hill giant and just yeah. realizing that this is the moment you guys are fighting it and Caleb's just like, we're dead guys, we're yeah. dead. I don't <laughs> we're even, all dead. Yeah, I think because like, I think most <laughs> I of I know us, my character, you guys know I yours, think I was dead. the only one that had, I had 40, of my 44 HP, I had 41, yeah. so I think I was the one that was healed up the most and as the rogue, that really sucked for me because I was like, <laughs> well... I would much rather give this to Torque, who has, like, 20 yeah. of his, like, I don't even know what he has, 50-some now or something like that? 60, yeah, whatever it is, there. he's got a lot more than everybody else. I was like, mm-hmm. can we just do, like, a health transfer here a little bit? Like, just maybe blood transfusion, whatever we have to do blood at this point, point in time. Blood magic! <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I uh, Caleb was like, oh, well, this is it. It's nice knowing you guys. Well. We're one item away at this point in time from getting the uh, the key yeah. out of the little cistern and putting it into the door, and you know we got through that door, and Caleb was totally like, "We're starting this battle, and we have yeah. damage in already." <laughs> like literally, the player was freaking yeah, out, like, like sweat. This is not a good time for this. Well, Caleb too. It was so funny because he had so many moments where he's like. This is he's too like, much of a well, challenge. Yeah. Well, with like the light. Remember how he was using lightning? He's like, okay. Yeah. Who do I strike next? Do I do I strike the bird? Do I strike the rogue? Do I strike the monk that's grappling me? Do I strike the meat shield who's probably gonna do the most damage to us? He's there were so many like just dilemmas for Caleb as as a character and as a player where he's like, I don't know if I can handle all of this that's going on right now. But, yeah, so we I mean we got done with that battle, and we ended. I think we Rick's had like almost died, right? Yeah, Rick's, I went down, but I went down to like with negative one. Gotcha. And then I just bled out. Yeah. For like yeah seven rounds. Torque almost Torque died. Almost died. Torque is I think basically it ended just in time. Yeah, yeah I think like he was at like Torque. negative. I mean, we he played with negative, negative fifteen. Yeah, which we played with. We played negative fifteen, but yeah. it, he was at like negative thirteen, I think, and he was pretty close. Did. And neither of you were in good condition. No, I I was... I think I had, like, 20-some health, but that was because I didn't get hit, like, the whole time I was down on the ground. (laughs) Because it was basically the monk I was fighting... uh fighting Caleb's character and you're like there just like slashing I'm him slicing like, at his come back. on hurt him hurt him <laughs> I, yeah, I, I loved the sweet revenge of being like I hate the fact that I made this monk character so good and I was just like the last slash that killed him I was like 
I was like, and I think I even said I cut off his head and I throw it off the top yeah, of the tower. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't even care. Like, I don't care if we just want to show the orcs. So I'm just getting rid of it, you know. Gosh. But yeah, I think I think Caleb's character was still up. I think my character was still up. Uh, Wesley ended up coming up to the top, and I think he healed us at the end or something, something like that. I mean, we all got up to the top of the of the the fort, and we saw our last quest happen, where it was we needed to get a star that fell from the heavens, or however it's worded. And we saw the star fall from the heavens a short ways away from where we were. And now we have to go and get that to complete our last quest item or get our last quest item to fulfill the filling cistern to get the key to unlock the door. So, so you guys you guys know what we're doing as soon as we start next time I DM and you know where you're going and what you're going to get. and Unless we decide to railroad. We're right? traveling <laughs> as far north as possible yeah. because... Kruor wants to visit his aunt. Yeah, I do. I do. His aunt. I do. I have unfinished business. Oh, gosh. Uh, and yeah, I have a griffin, I'm so excited. I can get there faster now. I'm excited to see where... Well, I know where we're going, but I'm excited to... I hope uh, so. ...with the story, but I'm excited to have you guys figure some things out. And Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, so, yeah, that's our story time for this week, part two of last week. Uh, with that, uh, without any delay, let's get to the meat. Oh, stop it. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Carve it up! Fist a mouthful! No! <laughs> the flight meat back on the menu, boys! Alright, so for today's Bringing the Magic of Magic into D&D, we are going to be talking about three races. Uh, the Leonins the Noggles, and the Kithkin. We're going to start off with the Leonins and talk about who they are and the lore behind them in magic. Uh, we're going to talk about, for some of the races, we'll talk about how they are different in our world, maybe some lore we've added to them, and how you can use them as a as a playable race or as NPCs and uh, even some possibly monster encounters in your world of D&D. Uh, so to begin with Magic Mark, when you think of Leonins, there's a there's one plane, one set that really sticks yeah. out. There's one as plane to one where set. they're from. Yeah. Even though Leonin, I think, is the only one we're talking about right now that appears in multiple sets, other mm -hmm. than maybe like one card here or there. Yeah. So it's like on this plane, a Noggle exists. Leonin actually have been around for multiple sets of Magic, so they have mm -hmm. the most established lore, and their first home. It's kind of the one that everybody thinks of first. Mm -hmm. Because the Planeswalker, that's a Leonin, is of this tribe and from this plane. Which, Mitch, this um, is like one of your favorite Planeswalkers, right? Yes, if not my favorite Planeswalker, a Johnny who is a Leonin is my, it's possibly my favorite. I love a Johnny. Yeah. And he's got a really uh, cool He's story. not my favorite. Karn is my favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, Karn is your favorite, he but might he's be, probably He very your... much might be my second favorite yeah. uh, Planeswalker. He's awesome. Uh, what we should probably talk about, for the listeners who don't know, what exactly is a Leonin, first of all? What does a Leonin look like? What is a Leonin? They're anthropomorphic big cats. So yeah. basically humanized lions. Yeah. Some are tigers, jaguars. It's kind of an umbrella term for all of the big Cat. Any of the big feline cats yeah. that you can... Uh, I guess... Isn't, aren't Leonins specifically the lions? Leonins are more often... The males are very lion-like, but the females are very more like a jaguar. Yeah, you said, yeah, yeah, in the notes you have jaguar. So a big thing about them is they're from the plane of Naya, which is kind of the home plane of Leonins. And the cool thing about Naya is because I'm from the Shards of Alara block. And in that block, there's five planes, and all of them only have three colors of magic. 
and two are missing. So the plane of Naya is exclusively white, red, and green magic. There is 0% blue magic and 0% black magic. So it's a plane with no necromancy, no control magic, no spells that are more like, you know, your true intellect magic. It's right. all about nature and power. And the main color is white. And so there's a lot of community and civilization. And the Leonin of this plane used to be like this great nation, world-spanning empire. And um, a splinter group formed in their culture called the um, Claws of Marisi. And this group ended up causing the entire empire to collapse Hmm. and fall apart into their own different things. And so there's like, now it's two groups. The Claws remain and they're like the savage Leonin of the plane. And they're very much red magic with a little bit of green. And then there's the um, pacifists that live in the mountains. And they're like the big Leonin who are in the last bastion, you know, the Romans that are still holding out in Rome kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. Right, right. Um, where they're like, we're going to hold true to our empire, but we can only control our little city now. <laughs> right. And they're like pacifists, and they're like the tr- purest form of white magic that there is. And now in this plane, the elves have grown dominant, and they like roam the treetops of all these jungles and follow beasts. And it's a really cool plane. I love Naya. I could talk about it for hours. Um, but right now we're talking about just the Leonin. So I'm yeah. going to stick with that and let you guys respond now. So uh, one of my, we'll, we'll bring it back to a Johnny just to talk about a Johnny a little bit because one of my reasons that I love him, besides the fact that he's a white Leonin, so a white like humanoid lion with a double-sided axe. I mean, what is there not to like? The guy is awesome. And his cards are pretty sweet in Magic, too. But besides that, one of the things I really like about him is his backstory. And so, he is born a a white fur-colored Leonin, which is very rare. That's not a typical thing. Normally, they're, I believe, shades of from, like, yellowish brown. So he's born as a white Leonin, and I feel like you could like the story could have gone very differently. That the story could have been he was a white Leonin and he was embraced by his Leonin brethren, and it was like, oh, this was this is a good thing. But instead, the story goes that he was like an outcast because of this. He was still allowed to live with them, but they everybody kind of looked at him as a as a jinx almost. Like nobody really wanted to be around him. If bad things happened in battle with a Johnny, they would turn to a Johnny and blame the fact that the jinx was there. He's the reason that this Leon and this Leon and got killed. Um, but Johnny kind of had a rough life, and that's a that's kind of a thing I like about him. And his brother ends up being killed by another planeswalker, and his spark is set off then, and then he begins to journey the planes. But isn't I his mean, axe made out? Wasn't it two yep, separate it's, axes? It's his one was his brother, his one was brother his, and he melded them together. together. Yeah. Um, and so we don't need to go too much into Johnny's background and stuff, but that's an aspect that I really like, that if you're going to use the Leonids in your world, like you could take that kind of thing and uh, have that be an aspect in your D&D world. Like have possibly one of your players, if they want to be a PC and uh, who wants to be a Leonin, well, why are they leaving their Leonin tribe? Maybe they're, they were born as a white Leonin and their Leonin brethren don't accept them. It's a good source material because you can look up a Johnny and you have art for your character. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And there's a lot of different arts for a Johnny by at this point in time. Yeah. Too, I that think you there's could like use. nine cards of a yeah, Johnny. Yeah. Something like that. Besides the cards, there's even more of that. And there's there's quite a, a bit of art for Leonins in general. So yep. it's good for uh, if you like to use a computer to show pictures or whatever, or 
tablet or whatever it is, print them out. Uh, you, there's plenty of resources for you to grab to show your players what Leon look like and talk about them. And They're very savage looking. Most of them do not go and wear armor and stuff. At least these from this plane, they're not wearing armor. No. They usually usually are depicted with uh, necklaces with like either their claws or teeth. They have loincloths. But uh, yeah, they're, they're very savage looking people. They... Just like you said, this whole plane that they originate from, the first place that we see them is that very savage uh, kind of plane. So that makes a lot of sense going along with that. Their leader is called the Cock. Yep, that is from their society. So if you want to know a little bit about their society, they're led by a Ka. Each tribe, I suspect, has a Ka. I kind of imagine their culture to be kind of like Jungle Dothraki from Game of Thrones yeah, to kind that's... of pull that other nerd thing in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whereas they're a little bit less about the horse lord thing, but totally all about the like survival of the fittest, the biggest <laughs> oh, yeah. and the strongest one. They don't the wear leader. the armor. I mean, the Dothraki didn't wear armor because it would slow them down. They're cats, yeah. so they have to be afraid of water. Yeah, right. Um, and all sorts of like other uh, parallels you can draw of like they're nomadic. They are very much like a jungle group because this whole plane is just jungles and cliffs. Yeah, it's the whole thing. So like that's all they do is move around. And um, on this plane, there's gargantuan beasts, building-sized yeah, creatures. Yeah. So you're not going to sit around because your whole village can get stepped on. Yeah, so right. you're going to do more of a mobile thing yeah. to almost, like, maybe follow one around. <laughs> and just like the normal, like, lions of a real world, they're going to hunt in packs together because yep. there are giant monsters like that. And so they're going to use pack tactics uh, to take them down, and that's a that would be a good thing to grab on if you wanted to use Leonins and use them in your own world, like thinking about how are they going to act, and maybe even looking up ways that lions act and using that as a template for what is their culture going to be like, what are their their strategies in battle going to be like, I like think. hunting and stuff at dusk and dawn. Yeah, like so you could almost give like a player like a boost of like a plus two to hit when it's in twilight or there something you go. like that. Yeah. Not the book. Because that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Their society, Leona's society, is really very highly based on honor. But at the same time, from the stories that we get from Ajani, we can see that it's not based on gentleness, apparently. It's like, yeah. they, they're they based on honor, and I imagine that it's kind of... They, they see the people in their pride, their pack, that uh, are great warriors and providers as they hold them in high esteem but those who don't it seems that they don't treat them with yeah. honor like you're not you're not worthy of being honored of being respected and so it could it could be for some a very great culture in which they flourish for the strong like kind of like you were saying survival of the fittest mentality but for the weak it's going to be a very hard society to live in and the the runts the litter are not going to be treated well, not yeah. going to be treated with kindness. Kind of like uh, you, you're a disgrace. You're disgracing our people. You're disgracing your family. This is you're you're a disgrace to us. Yeah, I kind of imagine like ancient Greece, Sparta, where it's like if you're good enough to survive in our society, yep. you're good. Yeah. But if you're not good enough, we're gonna toss your baby you're, off the cliff. You're dead. Yeah. Um, which is an extreme, but that's yeah. that's true yeah. history, and you could kind of have that kind of mentality of Leonins in your world, and that's just how they. They work. That's just how they act. And the plane that they're from, Naya, is primarily green. So when you think about them, you have to think about like this nature-first mentality mm -hmm. with a little bit of 
you know, white magic where it's a little bit of civilization and a little bit of passion from the red magic, but it's mostly this green natural lifestyle. Now the Ajani represent the tip towards the white with one culture, and that's the mountain people, that old empire is kind of that white. And then they also have a group that tips to the red, and that's the savage culture of the the claws. The ones that you would more want to shy away from getting in battle with. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. right. Yeah, Those yeah. ones tend to be bigger and much more violent yeah. and short-tempered. And Act so you, first, think later yeah. type mentality. So you could have those in your world of like this savage group living in the jungles and there are these tiger people or whatever and they can be one side but then you can also have this big city of lion men who are noble knights and you can have both of those in the world you can have one of those in the world you can have something completely different you can have blue lions i don't care um <laughs> i don't well, care and, and imagine even, a good magic mark doesn't care <laughs> <laughs> and that's even a great point though because if you do have a pc who is a leonin like I feel like most of the time, a at least from my experience as a DM, if you have a PC who's whatever kind of race and you run into that race, the thought process is, hey, I'm a gnome, they're a gnome. We're going to get along way better than the rest of my group. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you have a, you have to kind of break down also, there's different subtypes, subtypes of these races. And so if you have a PC that's from that mountain tribe and he's left that mountain tribe, and he's going into the jungle where this more savage Leonins are, your player might think, hey, I'm a Leonin, they're a Leonin, we'll get along just great. But the reality is, they're probably not. You're, already, thing you know, you're already a step behind to the other pieces. Next yeah. thing you know, he's like, pumped full of arrows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's always that moment. How many times have you as a PC, PC gone up to a guy and been like, I say in Dwarven, because he's <laughs> yeah. a Dwarf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you to have definitely, some Mark, friend. I know that. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's just the natural instinct. Yeah, but, yeah. And but, it works sometimes. Yeah. It really does, and, a lot of times. And I think it'd be kind of funny to have a moment like that where it's like two wildly different yeah. cultures of the same species, <laughs> and the guy goes up and will go, I say in Sylvan, because that's what Feel a dick, right? yeah. I yeah. believe is the, their language. In, yeah. in lion talk, and the guy's just like, screw you. <laughs> Or, or more more appropriately, just slashes him across the face with his claws. Yeah, exactly. There's more than one meaning to the word worked in that, in that scenario. <laughs> yes, he understood you, but you don't have a nose anymore. <laughs> so they are specifically well known for being from the plain of Naya, but there are other places in the different plains that Leonins pop up and have a. we want to mention them a little bit because... Uh, their cultures are different, and so we want to give you guys different ideas of how to use Leonins in your world and maybe different kinds of uh, cultures that uh, you can take off uh, these ideas from. Yeah. So uh, recently they were featured in the Theros block, and there were Leonins in that, and they were a little bit different than the Leonins of the Plain of Naya. They're much more white-oriented and civilized, mm -hmm. but they kind of got shunned by all the humans uh, because they align themselves with, like, not an evil deity, but kind of like back in the day, there was this big war between the Archons and the gods, and um, they chose the side of the Archons, and the gods won. So humans <laughs> who worship the gods are kind of like, yeah, we don't like you so much because yeah, you, you guys the, fought the, the wrong side. Chose the wrong side. It's, it's kind of like you know being German in Europe in <laughs> 1950. It just didn't go well for you. Um, so you, you kind of established this culture of separateness and isolation because they lost, and most Leonin are like banned from human cities in the plain of Theros. So they kind of are just off doing their own thing. And Ajani comes to the plane in the story and is just like hanging out with them, 
and was kind of just having fun with his fellow Leonin and experiencing their culture when he's supposed to be helping Elspeth and then he doesn't show up till the third block because <laughs> uh, she couldn't it's find true, him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, story of a planeswalker, man. Exactly. Um, Never there when you need him. So uh, Johnny's here and Theros hanging out with his fellow Leonin and their king is Brimas. Brimas. I've never heard the proper enunciation. We're <laughs> going to go with Brimas. And so he's the king of this city of Leonin. And the whole city is kind of heavily inspired by Sparta from Greece. And he's kind of their Leonidas. Which, you know, here's a, here's an interesting note too. What color is Brimas? White. White. Yeah, he's white. And so we just talked about this uh, this one plane that saw a Johnny as a white Leonin is being like cursed, like being yeah, he's the um, outcast, the outcast. Yeah, but then we have this plane of Theros where the white Leonin is the, the king. king. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of a big deal. He's also a really good card. Yeah, but we'll talk about that. And I don't know another. If we ever decide, to, if we ever decide to start a Magic the Gathering podcast, we'll talk about it more. MTG's block. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Yeah, on he's my side. yeah, he's <laughs> too much. Really, he's a really nice card. Yeah, I remember playing against him in standard games. Uh, yeah, like, and, but bring it back to yeah, bring it back to the the lore is that he leads this nation, and I think what happens is in the story is there's this whole war between the gods, and this guy comes and uprises, and they need some help. The humans are like, man, we're screwed. They're losing to this giant army of Minotaur, and I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there who knows more about this than I do, and is going to tear me apart for being incredibly wrong. <laughs> and you guys are going to get a harshly worded email. It's going to be hashtag and you're die never going to tell mark. me. Yeah. So, but anyway, the this thing happens, and it's basically Elspeth is looking for help to save the humans, and they have to turn to the Leonin who they've shunned, and. Then they come and save the day, and then Elspeth gets killed by Heliod, the white guy. <laughs> so things go a little amiss at the end there, but Ajani and the Leonin kind of save the day for Theros. Yeah, and I like to focus on, we've talked about how the the Leonin of Naya are very savage looking and have loincloths, teeth and claw necklaces. Well, the Very tribal uh, focus, yeah, yeah. The Leonins of Theros are more, more of that civilized white than they are... Uh, green and uh, mm -hmm. even when you see a Johnny come to Theros, he uh, has some of their armor and very nice armor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the king uh, Brimaz has very nice armor, very uh, Spartan Greek looking armor. But it's it's they're no longer are they just in loincloths? They have kind of these togas and robes on. Brimaz even has a crown that he yeah, wears. Yeah. yeah, but even like their clothing, it isn't just like one shade of brown like the. Nyan Leonin are, but it's like very intricate, nice clothing. Yeah, so there's this purple, yeah, and like there's cards in the Theros block that are like the snare catcher who throws a net. They start using tools more than claws, and they do things. They're definitely technologically further. Along. It plays into that more. They become and, more civilized in yeah. this. So in they've, this world, they've or developed in this more. Yeah. So I imagine them. The society is still very much based on honor, but they would be more. More diplomatic, more kind towards their weaker members of their pride, and it's much more of a civilized Leonin society. There would be so. more of a culture of bringing people up to mm -hmm. become something. So, Which is why the Leonin that you ran into in my campaign was the diplomat for the yeah, country. Yeah. So even, even though your kid might be the weak little runt of the litter, we're not going to throw him off the cliff because he's worthless. We're going to make him and teach him to be the best that he can be, yes. like a Murica. 
<laughs> oh gosh. gosh. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's kind of the magic lore behind Leonin's. Hopefully that spurs on some good ideas. Hopefully that's a race that you might want to take and make into your world. Uh, Chris, we've added Leonin's into our world. You were just kind of talking about yours for a second there. So why don't you talk a little about Leonin's in your world? Any lore that you've added into them to make them interesting? Yeah. So I, I kind of when I was thinking through putting Leonin's in my world, I liked the idea of. I mean, many of us have probably seen Lion King back in the day. Uh, I really, I really like the idea where Simba is out in the the wire, or out in the the field, and he looks up and there's Mufasa up in the sky, right? Mufasa, Mufasa. remember? Yeah, remember. Remember. So one one cool thing that I have for the Leonins of my world is whoever's the leader of the tribe when he dies. There's no like god of the Leonins, but whoever is the leader. The first leader died, went up into the pride in the sky. Then this, whoever replaced him, the second leader, was anointed by the one from the pride in the sky. Whoever is the leader will inevitably end up becoming part of the pride in the sky. So there's just this recurring group of people up in the sky who are always behind whoever is the leader, for the most part. I haven't developed any like rogue leaders who they don't support yet in their, in their world. But they have like... Whoever is the leader, when he dies or however he dies, becomes a part of the pride in the sky. So maybe if one of you guys plays a Leonin in my world someday, you can become a part of the pride in the sky. Ooh, if you... That'd be cool. That'd be cool. How about this? I play a character <laughs> who's already become part, and I come back down, nope. so I get demigod stats, divine rank of zero. I only need like a strength of 40. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a plan. But I'm it's something to, something to aim okay. for. Okay. <laughs> have your consent. So yeah, they, they are very much like... That's what the leader, the the Ka of the Prides in, in Panthea are trying to achieve when they die to become part of the Pride in the Sky. Like in, in the real world where the, the feminine lions are the ones that go out and do the hunting, that's how it pretty much is in my world. They're the ones that will go out while the men are working around the area, but the men are the one that actually go off to war, which Mitch is very similar to what you have in your world as well. I mean, they're very pride centric they think about their pride before anything else anything that tries to disturb their pride is going to die for the most part if anything tries to interrupt what's going on with their pride they're they're not going to be treated very well um there's very few leonin that you find outside of a pride in panthea but you guys ran into one unless they're a dragon yeah unless they're a dragon but he's not a dragon so in my world leonin was not the dragon oh yeah it was the ha- it was the it elf was the that elf. was the dragon. Yeah, because yeah. always the elves. It's always the elves. <laughs> yeah. Leonin was the diplomat one that yeah. Casey went with. Exactly. But yeah, so there's there's reasons why he's there. It's all about the circle why. of life. Yeah. You know. Where we move is one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mitch, what do you what do you have for your world? What makes them interesting in your uh, world? well there's a lot of similarities, like you said, uh theme in your world that I kinda looked up I look I like whenever I have an anthropomorphic race in my world, I look up how the animals work in the real world, take ideas from that, sometimes completely turn on its head and go, nope, going to be completely different in my world. But they're just like in the lines in our in our real world, women are the hunters and the males of the society, they're not lazy like lines in our real world. They're the warriors and the leaders of the, the pride. And they're to an extreme pride mentality, pride first, individual last and so in going into battle they're going to protect every single member of their pride before themselves and so you have a lot of they're nobody's fighting selfishly they're all fighting to protect every single one of themselves the greatest 
honor in Leonin society in, in Atos is to die for another Leonin or your pride in general. They too have a very ancestral mindset where they, in Leonin society, at night under the stars, they'll often gather around old Leonins who have been around for a long time. They'll tell stories about different members of Leonin society who have accomplished great battles and great feats. That is not their religion. They worship this god called Sher Arye, who is one of the gods that you guys don't, your characters don't know who it is, but is part of the good aligned pantheon that you are trying to achieve. He was like quest for it, right? Yeah, he was like the had first to take one a piece of your main. So that was an easier one for you guys. But yeah, he is the god of the Leonins, and we won't talk too much about him because, of course, he will show up sometime later down the line in our Divine Spotlight series where we'll talk about him a lot more but basically the rest of their society and there's not a lot of nomadic leonins in my world while there are some but most leonins live in large cities with mayan type pyramids big golden pyramids that they'll go up to the top of these and tell their stories or worship sherarie then all their homes are built inside of these pyramids uh, where they sleep and they too are very one with nature Jungles and plains is where these pyramids are built, but very Mayan-type look to them. Yeah, I'd say that's where we differ quite a bit in our world. Mine are very much nomadic. nomadic, They they more follow where the food goes Mm -hmm. than anything. Yeah, mine probably have more in in common with the Theros Leonians, where you probably have more in common with the Nyan Leonians. um, So yeah, those are some ideas that we've added into the Leonians in our world. Um, and the, that's all, some of the lore behind the Leonins. They are very cool. I mean, how cool would it be to play a lion humanoid? Like, that's, that's well, just, just when, sweet. Just as, like, a player, when you walk up to somebody who's a lion, it's like, whoa, this dude's a lion? Yeah. Like, that just begs to you, be respected. You expect great things from yeah. Le- Leonins. Yeah. Uh, you, you should make a homeless Leonin <laughs> in your world. <laughs> just always, to throw everybody off. I've always wanted to make, like, a Leonin. It's your idea. You make the it. drunkard, the drunkard, uh, Leonin, like a Leonin spellcaster, and he's like a coward, like the cowardly lion. Well, you guys did meet a a jerky Leonin. Remember uh, Mumbasa? Oh yeah, uh, the black Leonin. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> kind of screwed you guys over in your. Yeah, he was like a mercenary, campaign. and he like yeah. overcharged, and then just was like, peace. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to move on to Noggles now. Uh, Noggles were something that I chose for us to talk about without realizing how much I would fall in love with the Noggle race. Uh, were these the ones that you were kind of least excited to talk about at first? Uh, no, the the Kithkin were. But oh, okay. both Noggles and Kithkin, I think, I when I first started, I was like, Leona are going to be the coolest. I think we're getting better as we go on in this order. Yeah. Um, Noggles are sweet, but Kithkin are also sweet. But let's talk about Noggles first of all. So, Magic Mark, you talked about how Leonin are the only one of these three that are in different planes. Noggles are from the Shadowmoor plane specifically. First of all, what is Noggle? Because unlike the Leonin name, it does not kind of lead you to realizing what a Noggle is. A noggle is an anthropomorphic donkey. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but, they're but they're small. Yeah, they're smaller. They're, like they're not donkeys. In in D and D terms, they're not medium sized. They're going to be a small size. Yeah. That being said, their heads are medium sized. They and have it, big heads for small creatures. Yeah. And yeah. they got he's and haws. Yeah, they're very awkward uh, yeah. looking creatures to say the least. <laughs> but yeah, they're from this plane of Shadowmoor. They're small, about the size of a dwarf. Dwarf or a kithkin, they're hunched over, uh, they have their oversized heads, large floppy ears, 
hoofed feet, and a coat of very coarse, rough, probably gross hair. Yeah, like um, horse hair or donkey yeah. hair. Yeah. What really makes the Nagmas unique is their society, their mentality, their culture. So let's just These talk crazy. about that for yeah, a second. Yeah, they're nuts. Yeah. Uh, well, Nagals are part of Scottish mythology and origin. Well, they're not actual Nagals, like the little donkeys that we appear. But they're actually <laughs> not like, what we're talking about. Yeah. Nagals, but that's where they got the inspiration. they got the inspiration from uh, Scottish mythology that there were like these water spirits that appeared on land to like a horse. And they had, like, these tight, curly Q tails that would, like, lock people in. So they were horses that would show up and be like, come ride me because I'm a horse. You're tempted. And then the, the, like, Scottish dude would be like, that's a horse. And then he would get on the horse, and the horse would just ride out to the ocean, to the middle of the ocean, and let the well, guy drown. Well, they used his tail, too. To yeah, like, right? they used the tail to, like, lock them in, uh, like, a military saddle where you're just tied to the thing, and they would just go out into the ocean. And sometimes they would drown the people. Other times they would just go leave them in the middle of the ocean just to see what they would do. They would so, just mess with people. So not the noggles we're talking about, but there's another, like, little, like, <laughs> inspiration because... That is sweet. I totally want to use those in my world now. Those things are evil. <laughs> those are messed yeah. up. And they're notorious. They're also, since they have like tight curly Q tails, they were also always blamed for like when water mills would malfunction <laughs> and stuff like that because their tails look like water mill wheels. Apparently. Oh, sure. You know, it's ancient Scottish lore, so there's like stuff that just doesn't make sense when you put it next to each other, but somehow it works. Just like a lot of mythology. Yeah. Um, but Noggles in Magic are like the little donkey folk and they believe they were the first species to ever live on their plane they think everybody else yeah yeah they think everybody else are invaders Mm -hmm. and so they believe everything on the plane is theirs everybody else stole everything there's a little bit of that like arrogant pride that comes along with somebody thinking that they're so old on this plane that everything i think like in braveheart the guy who's like it's my iron (laughs) yeah so like it's mine of course and so all and they're gonna be a little bit of a donkey about it too yeah yeah, a little bit of a donkey nudge nudge wink wink yeah and so all of them are a little bit kleptos but they don't think about it as like i'm stealing stuff they think i'm just taking back what's mine regaining what this is mine not yours yeah they're very bitter about what they believe is the truth that they own this plane that they've been invaded, that everybody else here is a bunch of thieves sort of taking over their home, and they they do everything they can to take back anything that is quote-unquote rightfully theirs. Yeah. And they, they believe that they deserve everything. Yeah. <laughs> so this culture and this society and this perspective has developed to the point where Noggles kind of are useless in their own right, because they don't, <laughs> they don't bring it, anything to yeah. the party. They don't have any crafts of their own. They don't make yeah. anything. They don't have any like skills of building anything. In fact, if you read the magic lore, it says that every single thing that a noggle has ever owned or used or wears or eats was once somebody else's. <laughs> I almost I almost wonder if it's like they have this arrogance about them when they walk around society that it's like, oh, make this for me or something like that where it's just like they just try and order people around because they think that they're like the oldest society around so there's just like this this pompous attitude that goes along with them thinking that but at the same time if you read their description of how they look and how they act 
it's not they they probably very much right. do that but it's in like this like grotesque they're just they don't have looking. the image that they're goes not along charismatic with it. like yeah. they're just these weird little creatures that think they're better than everybody and steal everything yeah the image just doesn't go along with that yeah. type of like i should like, own everything like you look at them and you think these would make a great rogue except charm is a big part of a rogue yeah. And they don't have any. They have no yeah, right. charm. In and fact, if you could get opposite of charm, that's what they have. They're yeah. just obnoxious. And so they have this perspective, though, of, like, I deserve everything, and everything should be mine. And so they take stuff all the time, and they take, and they take, and they take. So they got, like, this kind of weaselly aura to them. Like, <laughs> like the slimy guy who kind of just takes stuff. Only a whole race of them. <laughs> yeah, a whole race of them. <laughs> now, there's only, like, four Noggle cards in Magic, mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of lore for us to build on. Most of this stuff is just taken from, like, flavor text. Yeah. Because there's one... I want them back, man. Bring them back into yeah. Magic. They're sweet. I love yeah. them. Anybody who's listening from Wizards of the Coast... We want Noggles. We Mark want... Rosewater, if you're listening. Yeah, we Mark Rosewater. Noggles. noggles. Make them as cool as the Slivers. <laughs> That'd be crazy. I want a whole Noggle deck. A whole Noggle block. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so Every cool. creature type is Noggle. Yeah, right. I'm um, okay with it. <laughs> yeah, but they're uh, blue-red in color. But the Noggles, they're pretty funny because they're like clever tricksters, and that's how they get stuff. Well, they're clever in the sense of like intellect. Cunning. But, yeah, uh, cunning might yeah. be a better way of putting it. But again, no charm. They're they're donkeys. And <laughs> they're, everybody not the, knows they're not the rocket scientists, donkeys. but yeah. they, kind of, they know how to get what they want, which is to steal everything. Yeah. They've been people. doing this for thousands of years, and they've gotten pretty good at that one thing. Which is taking uh, stuff. They have no crafting skills, yeah. but they might be good at sleight of hand. They're very much <laughs> scavengers yep. of like, oh, are you done with that? Or are you dead? Thank you. Yeah. Are you oh, dead? Oh, you're not done with that? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sorry, Enjoy still... it, and then you realize it's gone. <laughs> yeah. You want to go for a swim? <laughs> I'll take stuff off of you when you drown because yeah, right. I'm a water spirit. I think you need to take all of those clothes off to go swimming, right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, and the, they'll. I'm sure they're the snake oil salesmen. They're the like they come into town and we're like, I got this new product, and it's like water in a jar. And they're like, Do you want to buy it? <laughs> and the only people who don't believe them are the Kithkin. So because they're. It's funny that you said that because I know we haven't gotten to it yet, but that's one of the things that in my world that Noggles doo-doo there are a few doo-doo uh there are a few i wondered how long it was going to take you to go back to that (laughs) there are a few like peddlers like salesmen of noggles but basically what they do is they they drive around their stolen cart and they get to you and they're trying to sell you junk that they've stolen from you and while they're doing that a bunch of other noggles jump out of the back of the cart and rob you blind while you're (laughs) focused on going i've seen that hat before (laughs) so and they're throwing more stuff in and they go up Sales are all sales are fine. I'll see you later. Uh, so that's it's funny that you brought that up as like snake oil salesmen and such. But uh, another like interesting part of Noggle culture is that they're known for having a very cruel sense of humor and enjoying playing harmful tricks on others. Basically, if you have a player that wants to play a Noggle, they're basically they're gonna, gonna be gonna the be biggest jerk. jerk ever. Yeah. <laughs> like they're gonna be playing pranks that aren't funny they're they, gonna be the guy that everybody them. wants to kill they're, after the first session they're internet trolls <laughs> just for lack of like they're trolls i um thinking about this and thinking about other stuff that's going on there's a video going around the internet in the video game community for destiny because uh in the playstation 4 you can let somebody remotely play your console and there was an 11 year old kid who let a 
teenager uses account for a little while and the guy proceeded to delete all of his characters and all of his gameplay like (laughs) hundreds of hours of content and work and i'm sure some of you out there who are gay i know right (laughs) what a noggle and so this forget internet trolls let's just change it to internet noggles yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so this thing happened and this guy deleted all of this kid stuff and he of course used his cousin's account and the cousin has like a brain tumor and and so they and so this guy who has a brain tumor is getting all this hate mail because the account name was in this video and that it's not even him and so somebody did some investigating on like game informer and got to interview the teenager who did it oh my and the gosh. kid doesn't even care he's the biggest jerk in the world he's such, the biggest noggle in the world such a noggle and i think of like those cruel jokes of like yeah it's kind of funny that somebody got trolled that hard yeah. it's really dumb that it happened to a kid in fifth grade yeah. who really loves this game yeah. and stepped outside of the room while somebody was doing his game to go to the bathroom and comes back to watching this scroll bar of delete and he can't do anything about it he had like frantically ran and like unplugged his console to stop it and yeah it's just this terrible thing that happened and so like yeah that's the kind of jokes that noggles would do and so you never want to start a pranking war with a noggle because it won't even take two or three times the next joke that's played on you is going to be like you took that too far, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like you, took you know that, that sword you just bought far. for twelve hundred gold? <laughs> Broken. <laughs> That'd be impressive if he could break it. Well, yeah. I threw it into that mountain. You know the one called Doom? That's where it is now. <laughs> I took it out to the middle of the ocean and dropped it there. <laughs> you wanna go swimming? Get go swimming to get it? <laughs> Jump Jump back. Back. <laughs> I can get oh, us there quickly. Gosh. Oh man. So that's that's what we have on Noggles from the Magic Lore. Uh, I've added a little bit into the Noggles of my world and. Basically, I took their jerky attitude and I amped it up even more to the fact that they're like completely racist and suspicious towards other races. And so in the lands that they are native to, they've completely been banned from like human civilization, human society, which of course doesn't stop them from at nighttime sneaking in and stealing stuff. And if you were to go to a Noggle settlement, you would think of the slums of a very poor country where there are just tons of parts of other people's houses put together and other things that aren't made for a house building put together to make these small shacks. And every single thing you see is like just garbage just built up into different houses and kind things. Kind of like the box trolls. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> I haven't seen trolls, it, but, but I know what movie you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So yeah, their whole society, once again, is built off of that kleptomaniac stealing things from other people. Not only does their jerkiness go to other races, but it's very common for Noggles in this society to have stubbornness towards each other. And many families have feuds, and many of them cannot even remember what the feud started over. But try making, that does not make Noggles come to a truce is that they can't remember they're just like nope we're still fighting i still hate them (laughs) still hate them um and so they most of them are going to be just these total jerks if they're if you're not a total jerk in noggle society you're an outcast because you do not you can't handle regular noggle society and the problem is nobody's gonna let you into their other society so you're gonna be a hermit you're gonna be a wanderer Uh, you're not gonna be allowed to go really 
anywhere. Uh, so. I want to now be Neville the oversensitive noggle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Neville the oversensitive noggle. It's funny that we started calling uh, people noggles before because that's something actually added into the lands that they're president. That's a slur that's term a slur that term people term will form. use when people are being a total jerk you're or a racist. A noggle. Is, yeah, you're, you call them a noggle. Like, that's what you would call somebody is a noggle in these lands. And so it's it's not nice to be called a noggle. They they have their own language, uh, which is just uh, their noggle language, but nobody else can imitate this language because of the... It's got the heat. Yeah, the, the weird throat-like noises that they make. <laughs> um, that's kind of... <laughs> so, what do they sound like going through puberty? <laughs> probably that's a really pretty, weird question. Probably but pretty About awful. the same. <laughs> yeah, about the same. <laughs> um, and I took, I took this for their stat blocks and took... I grasped onto the fact that they don't have any crafts or industries of their own and made it so that they are they're skill monkeys in my world. They have a lot of skills, uh, and they got some skill boost to sleight of hand, disable device, hide, move silently, but they cannot take any craft skills. It's, they are not allowed to. So if you play a noggle in my world, you will not ever make anything through crafting. Craft um, mishmash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're completely unable to do that and uh, making it be a part of their lore. So I've just added in a little bit as far as uh, the Noggle Society, just making them even more of a Noggle, basically. So uh, so that's Noggles. Uh, they're awesome. You should totally use Noggles in your world. Everybody should next session they have have a Noggle snake oil salesman cart show up. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're able to next session figure out some way to either have a Noggle snake oil salesman show up or have Noggles raid your camp while people are sleeping and steal them, do it. And or, send us your Noggle stories. Or have a Noggle who carries one of the players out to the middle of the ocean. And <laughs> bonus points if you can out-Noggle Mitch's Noggles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you And there's actually a little bit of pity that has to be thrown on my Noggles in my world because the one thing that I forgot to mention is in darker times of Atos's history, the humans are basically were like, Let's go exterminate these things. <laughs> Just went out and like killed them with mercy. Yeah, so Nagasai. <laughs> um, that being said, if you ever talk to even a Noggle in that point, you'd still be like, these guys are jerks. There's no <laughs> redeeming quality to these guys. Uh, but you gotta feel for them at least for that because really, do they deserve to be like killed every single one of them? No, but uh, but yeah, send us your Noggle stories. We would love to after this episode came out, comes out hear a ton of Noggle stories. So. Fit them in if you can. All right, so the last one that we're going to look at today in our magic series is the Kithkin. And now these things are fairly similar to something else that's already in D&D. Uh, they were originally going to be named Hobbits, uh, but because of trademark reasons, obviously, they couldn't be called Hobbits in the magic world. So they are called Kithkin instead. So they have a lot of the same characteristics. They're very, they're quick and they're agile, uh, like various other small humanoid races. They, they look very elf-like in their appearance. They're fair-skinned. They have not notably exaggerated noses and ears. Um, so you can play off of that however you want. You can make them extremely large, like in some fantasy art that you'll see of, of elves or stuff like that. You can make them really long and pointy, or you can make them just short little points. They value community, simplicity, and forthrightness. That is at the top of their society. They, they love that. And so far, everything you've mentioned really calls to what like you said hobbits yeah halflings yeah um but i am so glad that they didn't just simply make the kithkin just hobbits yeah because yeah. there is some very big notable differences yep that make the kithkin when i put on kithkin i was like ah oh, we'll talk about kithkin i guess and 
honestly, these might be the coolest out of all the races that we've talked about today. Yeah, yeah, they are, they're no more than four and a half feet tall. They are taller than, than most dwarves, hobbits, and halflings, um, but they're not any taller than four feet, five inches tall. Um, they're quick, they're agile, they're highly cooperative in battle. Something that is different than most halflings or most hobbits that you think of when you hear of Lord of the Rings. They do not have an unusual fondness for pipeweed or ale. They don't go barefoot because who really ever goes barefoot? Uh, and they don't they don't burst into song more than other races, and they don't take particular pride in their beards or their gardens. So that in and of itself makes it very different from halflings and hobbits that you would think of in any other fantasy setting. Something that's really really cool about these things, about these kithkins, is their society is based. On, on this like collective consciousness called the thought weft. The thought weft it, it it basically is a way that connects all of the kithkin through like this empathetic web for each other. They they kind of they share emotions, they share thoughts with each other, uh, and it makes them very very effective in battle. And one of the articles that you sent us, Mark, it was like if one uh, kithkin knows that or that he's being attacked, all of the other kithkin like know that this kithkin is being attacked. Yeah. At so the this same is time. this is not something in which. Every single kithkin knows what every single kithkin yeah. is it's thinking. It's by no means a hive mind. No, it right. is, it is not, not a hive Borg. mind. Yeah. yeah, it's not the Borg. It's not this feeling of if you're a kithkin, you're never going to be able to hold a secret. You're going to be your mind's always being uh, heard. What your thoughts are. It is not a telepathic thing. It is a if you are allowing yourself to be open, and their community is built off of an openness and togetherness. So they do, for the most part allowing others to feel your emotions that you're giving off and so they can together as a community work together it's very much like the bond between like twins in reality mm -hmm. um where it's like you know how some twins you hear those stories of like one got in a car accident and the other one's like two states away and they're like i know something happened yeah, like yeah. it's it's almost like that they have no idea what happened or what's going on but they there's like that internal sense within you that something's just, just not quite right something here. is amiss yeah and um when they get closer it gets stronger so a community of kithkin have this extreme ability to read the body language of one another i think of the alcor and mass effect where it's like they have to they're so far the opposite of like <laughs> yeah. where they they're the big elephant looking things yeah, in Mass Effect where they have things. to go to other races they have to go statement yeah. or sarcastic, <laughs> sarcastic comment, comment. Yeah. you should do that happy and, feelings <clears throat> because their awesome. their race and their species has super fine uh, emotions and they communicate like with pheromones smell and like very subtle movements that when they interact with humans and other races they have to be so clear because their subtlety is missed by non-Elcor. And I feel like the Kithkin have the same extreme sense of like, when I talk to you and I'm a Kithkin and you're a Kithkin, we read and hear more than what is being spoken. Yeah. Yeah. And so in combat, you can set off pheromones that tell other people, you know, I'm getting stabbed in the back. So the one behind you can put your arm. Well, and that's, that's to me makes such a cool lore of the Kithkin. Like, uh, their plane has giants, and these things are tiny. And so they, some in, in some of the art, you see Kitkin. I think some of the Kitkin are even named, like, after, like, fighting giants and yep. things like that. And uh, how do these little things stand a chance against giants? And that's because of this thought wealth that, like, allows them to together be some of the greatest fighters together and soldiers 
because they're all able to feel what's going on with others. One Kithkin gets trapped and is going to be killed. Everybody's going to feel the distress of that Kithkin and move towards that and try and save. And I imagine there's there's a lot of that in Kithkin battles of those close calls, which everybody in D&D experiences where it's like, oh, my God's going to die. And then somebody comes and helps them out. Like, this probably happens so commonly with Kithkin battles. I almost wonder, yeah. You know, that guy's in distress. I almost wonder if Kithkin are just kind of like, I'm not worried about it. I know something's coming. <laughs> Bro's got my back. Yeah, right. <laughs> in D&D, we are just talking about it in story time of the Groundhoof standing behind Torque and healing him just at the right right time. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. Kithkin would have done that by second nature. Yeah, and, and, right. and because we're a D&D podcast and we're talking about lore that you can bring into D&D, races that you could have playable characters, NPCs, imagine if two, at least two of your players decided they wanted to be Kithkin and what that would mean in, like, battle. Like, you would have that moment where if uh, one of the Kithkin went down and was bleeding, the other Kithkin would, like, know he was in distress. And yeah. depending on how close he is, like, feel that distress and be able to just be connected on such a strong level to the point it, where it could really help in battle scenarios and in tactical scenarios. It could almost be, like, a racial ability of having constant death watch on fellow Kithkin. Yeah. So you know their exact hit points at all times. Where it's, that's not game-breaking at all. But no. it's a good thing but to it's be a like, gr- yeah. it's a good way to mechanically apply a lore. Yeah. And so if you could find, if you as a player could find another player, you could go, hey, can we together be Kithkins uh, together and have this? As a DM, I would love to have two players go, yeah, I want to do that. Like, I would totally be down with saying, yeah, do that. That's cool. Use these Kithkin and we'll, we'll work on the thought wealth and uh, figure out how that works together and in a sense it's almost like it's almost like hey guys metagaming's allowed for us yeah right right <laughs> i could metagame to just, yeah. <laughs> to just, just you, you. <laughs> yeah uh, so some more things about the kithkin is they are quite superstitious uh so i would imagine that they would carry around like lucky rabbit's feet and well yeah. Maybe they won't carry around care. magic. We'll love, get to that. But yeah, we'll get to that. I don't think they carry on that stuff. But <laughs> they would. They would probably be the people that would do a lot of different. Like before they go into a battle, they have all of these weird, not weird, but just these different rituals that they would do because they're very superstitious. They believe in things that help either bring them luck or or whatever it is that they want to do that helps with the whole superstition idea. One and thing imagine that's... imagine a race that's very superstitious with the thought well <laughs> like somebody walks under a ladder and all of a sudden every kid in the air is like oh no oh, oh no, no. <laughs> somebody no. drops some breaks before some glass somebody like, walks, oh. before somebody walks over the ladder the guy on the ladder gets down and closes it and goes pass through <laughs> yeah right he just he knows it's gonna happen yeah. yeah uh one thing that's really cool about the kithkin is that their magic a lot of their magic is powder based and if you look up Kithkin powder magic on Google, you will come across a card art from Magic where it's really weird. This Kithkin is flying on this eagle that has two kegs of powder as a head, and he's just swinging telepathically, these magically, these kegs of powder, and he's just throwing them down on his enemies. So their magic is very powder-based. That's how they use different spells and stuff. I don't know what this thing is that he's flying on. Um, it's like but... a yeah. It's it's almost like part eagle, part barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Part big like jars. There's yeah, two right. Jars. So maybe it's it's being propelled by the magic of the power. Yeah. Or but it's like, what are the wings for? Do they like I fly? I have no or idea they... what the deal is with it. 
but I like it. It's really <laughs> weird. It's so, very weird looking. So look it up. Like if you want Kithkin in your world, this might be something which you want to name and figure out. And I imagine it's some byproduct of their magic that that it, it has. To I be. would not have these things be an actual creature. There's, <laughs> like, there's also a picture of of a Kithkin powder magic that almost goes along with the superstition. There's like this Kithkin over like a Kithkin child pouring magic powder mm. around like Mr. Sandman. Yeah, yes. yeah. So there's there's like this this it goes along with the superstition and the magic at the same time. So mm. that's just pours into even more. They're very superstitious and they use powder magic for basically everything. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact, ground up noggle hoof is one of the <laughs> elements of powder and the powder magic. Really? Yeah. Like like <laughs> certain spells require ground noggle hoof. So clearly Kithkin don't mind killing a noggle or two. <laughs> I would say that Noggle's stealing back their powdered hooves is probably one of the few times that they're in the right. <laughs> if they can steal back their powdered if they hooves. Can steal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides the jar eagle weird creatures, Kithkin are well known for another creature that is just, they're awesome. And here's another thing that you could bring into your world as a creature in your world. They're called Springjacks. And these things are basically a crossbreed between a goat and a rabbit. Chris, you were kind of saying, yeah, it's, it's mostly, if you look at the picture, it's mostly it's, a goat. Yeah, the picture that I'm looking at now, you can't really tell that it's, like, it, it looks very goat-esque yeah. until you look at the bottom of it, yeah. and it has the big, like, hind legs of, like, mm-hmm. what a rabbit would big have rabbit, yeah. with the shorter legs in the front. It, it, I would imagine this thing, like, you think of goat, very stupid, very slow. <laughs> you put spring jack, or you put legs on it that can make it fly really fast, and now you have a spring jack, and everybody wants to ride a spring yeah. jack. Be honest with yourselves, everybody wants to ride so a spring So imagine jack. Kithkin knights and soldiers riding into battle on these spring jacks, half goat, half rabbits, running in, and I imagine one of their favorite things to do is charge, headbutt, and at that last second before the headbutt is completed, pouncing off the ground with their back hind legs and coming down hard on their enemies with the spring jacks horns and it's it's just an awesome awesome creature that you could add into your D world i think of like spring jack chariots take radagast rabbit chariot sled thing and spring jacks and put them on a super collider and <laughs> smash them together and you could get like these big like non kithkin things and chariots with like herds of these spring jacks just like pulling everything <laughs> like i did a rod sled racing almost with i think like what would yeah like what would radagast do if he had spring jacks instead of the hairs that would have been a weird twist yeah. go about twice as fast and yeah, hit about right. three times as hard yeah right <laughs> oh. if you know anything about magic lore and even if you don't that's why we're here the plane that the kithkin are on is lorwin but lorwin turns into shadow more which is the one that we were talking about with the knock what happens in the story is there's lorwin which is a very tribal oriented and when i say tribal i mean like there's goblins there's kithkin there's a bunch of other races and they kind of just do their own thing and they stick together but one of the tribes is the elementals and these elementals are when the plane is like infested with war and there's lots of hate and lots of disdain they get more and more powerful because they feed off of that element of distrust and fight and then so what happens is this kind of war hits to a, hits a boiling point and these elementals get powerful enough to compromise the whole plane of existence and it kind of tips the balance to the point where everything changes and so one of the big changes that happens is is the, the kithkin, kithkin. <laughs> which and, if you like the kithkin before this is pretty cool what happens to them too so you can have two separate sub race of a kithkin 
this is kind of like you were saying this is not the the borg kitkin like when they're using the thought wealth like it's a good thing yeah but the kitkin become kind of darker creatures their eyes become wide white white white. eyes gold eyes but they have no pupils so they're just kind of creepy looking and then something happens to the thought wealth it becomes more of a hive mindy kind of thing Mm -hmm where the most powerful of the Kithkin kind of end up taking advantage of this and getting, like, some sort of, like, weird uh, hive mind. They kind of end up channeling all of their power of the whole culture into one dude. And this one dude becomes, like, the ultimate Kithkin. And the card is, like, a red-white card that, like, levels up as you go and becomes super powerful. And not only that, but where the thought well connected them all together in harmony and help them now every single one of the kithkin that are connected are connected in this state of constant paranoia Mm -hmm. and they're obsessed with their fear and conformity rather than before where it was a bunch of individuals together celebrating their individualness in their communities now it's just like this one it is that hive mind kind of thing mm-hmm. but they're now paranoid and so before you anyone pick who's fight, not us is bad yeah thing, before yeah. you pick a fight with a kithkin and they were going to co- all come after you because they wanted to protect each other because they love each other now you might not even pick a fight with a kithkin and they might all be coming down on you because they're paranoid of who you are and yeah. they're gonna take you out yeah very dark. Which the whole plane of Shadowmere becomes very dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of them even get to the point where they're paranoid that they don't even leave their house. What is it when you're afraid to leave your house? What is the paranoia? I think you're thinking of agoraphobia, yeah, right? That's it, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And going along with their fear aspect to them, before where the Kithkin were all about apparently some kind of weird jar eagles uh, and the Springjacks, now the Kithkin are the creators of these huge inanimate scarecrow creatures artifact creatures if you know the magic lore and these these things are they're never good they're like they're (laughs) built off of really bad harmful mechanics in in the game of magic and so when you talk about scarecrows these are scary scary scarecrows and so now these other shadow more kitkin build these creepy artifact constructs creatures that are scarecrows that are possibly even more scary than them i don't know if you're more scary than a mind wealth kitkin but um yeah it doesn't help a hive mind group of kitkin with some scarecrows who are paranoid already yeah Yeah. who have scarecrows that can do awful things to you it's almost like take scarecrows are pretty awful yeah so take like that like farmer maggot scene in the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, but make it in this weird, twisted world where now there's scarecrows moving around in that field yeah. and hunting <laughs> you down. It's creepy. Yeah. I feel like these Kithkin, honestly, even though they're basically look, they look like little hobbits. They're really good for like a Halloween creepy campaign kind of setting. Yeah. They're really they're kind of like Children of the Corn. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, especially yeah. with that scarecrow aspect and everything. Yeah, I would imagine with these scarecrows, they deal like with negative one, negative one counters in Magic. I would imagine yeah. that they do some sort of like ability con damage, to your or strength yeah. damage, something yeah. to that effect. Something. Like these things would just be. They're, they've awful. got. They poured the the evil powder yeah, on them, right? and now yeah. they're now they're. Yeah. Uh, Enchanted Strangely to do some pretty enough, messed though, up they stuff. They still use white magic. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. And if you listen to the color alignment, talk about how that white does not mean good. So, yep. uh, but yeah, so those are those are the Kithkin. I don't have any Kithkin in my world, Chris. I don't either. Um, but so we don't have anything to add to the table as far as that. But Kithkin are 
awesome. All three of these are really cool races. That's what we have for the races of ma Magic today. Hopefully those are some uh, great races that you can latch onto and take and get an idea of a new race for your world at least one new race or automatically monster. put spring jacks into your world yes <laughs> we want to hear <laughs> those noggle stories yeah. yeah we want to hear those noggle stories let us know send us into your noggle stories we want to hear them everybody go out spread the noggle fever <laughs> i've got a fever and the only prescription is more noggles all right let's get to the mailbag They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, welcome back to the Mailbag of Holding, the place where we focus on your ideas, stories, and questions that you, the listeners, have emailed in to us. We have two today, correct, Mitch? Two. You have one, I have one. Uh, and our first one is from Brandon, who emailed us. This was back... A little while ago, we I mean, I posted some of it on Google+, and I think we posted it on Twitter, too, if I remember correctly. But this is something we wanted to share with you guys for everybody who listens. He started a sweet Pinterest account, and I know Pinterest has gotten, like, this, like, girly stigma around it. Arts that, and crafts. Yeah, arts and crafts, <laughs> wedding stuff, woo! That's not what... There's so much cool stuff on Pinterest that... Actually, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with D&D on Pinterest, too. It's a bookmarking cloud that it utilizes is. images. It is. It just happens to have a lot of wedding dress stuff on it. Yeah, <laughs> I know because I'm going through the whole wedding planning stage. And I do not there's, pity you. Yeah, I, I, pity, <laughs> I don't pity myself for going through it. But anyways, uh, Brandon, Brandon has spent a ton of time. Like he said, I don't remember how many hours he said he dedicated, but he's dedicated so many hours to this Pinterest account that he has. We'll post a link of it in the show notes where you can go and find this stuff. But he says, here you will find 280 plus boards that any DM could use to find inspiration. Uh, it can easily be used as a resource to list arms, armor, apparel, architecture, religion, re regions of the earth, all of these different things. And he's, he's literally got 280 different ones that deal with, there's like North Chinese dynasties, Mongolian dynasties, Northern European dynasties. I mean, all of these various different things where you as a DM, I've went and looked at it and spent a significant amount of time looking at this stuff, thinking there are some really cool armor and weapons that I can use in this thing. There's some pretty cool gods that I didn't know about, you know, from like Norse mythology that's in, in these boards. And so he says, I've invested my heart. He's studied it for accuracy and he's put a ton of time into it, refine it for everybody to be able to use and listen to. And he said, guys, go and check it out. This, there's a lot. There's a stuff. lot. We'll put a link it, in our show notes. It'll take you a while to get through all of it, but it is well it'll worth the look. It'll take you forever to get It'll take you forever to get through it. And it's probably still growing? I'm it, assuming I would assume done. so, yeah. I would I would think so. But yeah, go and check it out. We'll, we'll post the show notes from him. Go and show Brandon some love there on, on his Pinterest account. Mitch, what do you have for us? Uh, the next email we have here is from DM Brainless Blob. Uh, and DM Brainless Blob writes to us and uh, the first thing, first things first, he tells us, so after listening to a few of your podcasts, I decided to go and make my own campaign. Awesome. That's what we're trying to yeah. accomplish. Gold star. Yeah, gold star. Five of them. Basically, he tells, I just want to talk a little about, a little about what he told us about his world and uh, the lore behind it. So five of the gods, I don't know how many gods there are in his world, but five of the gods that he tells us about is he has Pelor, Farlang, Kord, Nerul, and Obed-Hai are five of the gods that exist in this world. And each one of these gods has an artifact uh, that's a chalice. And so as I list these off, the, the color chalice I want you guys to listen to 
what type of color they are because it all come around in a really cool way that I thought was pretty sweet. But so the Pelor has a white chalice that uh, basically if you drink out of it, light comes just shedding out of you. And each one of these after it's drank from, it disappears in a certain way. So this one uh, disappears in a flash of light. Farlang has a blue chalice uh, in which if you drink uh, water spills out of your mouth, eyes, pores, uh, and after the water disappears, you grow scales and fins. So afterwards, that after you drank out of this chalice, the mist encompasses this chalice and it uh, turns to ice uh, and it's gone. The cord chalice, the red chalice, it uh, once you drink it, your whole body catches on fire. It turns your skin into an ashy and charred skin and it disappears through a burst of flame. Nerul's black chalice, uh, your mouth darkens and darkness just envelops your whole body until you return to normal, but you're, you return to normal and you're slender and darker. And then this one basically disappears into a shadow. Uh, and then finally, the green chalice of Obed High will slowly turn you into a tree. And once this one is drank out, it, after it drops to the floor, it becomes like a tree itself and grows flowers. Uh, and it's unmovable. Um, so all those are, when we talk about gods in our worlds, like gods having artifacts is a cool thing. That's something that's in D&D &D lore itself. All gods have some sort of artifact. So the cool thing I like about this is with the white, blue, red, black, and green chalice, what happens in his world is Tiama drinks from all five of these and becomes the god of Tiamat. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, so he, I don't know if he was a human or whatever before, but basically she takes all these chalices and goes, I'm just drinking all Bottoms these. up. Bottoms up. Boom, 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 boom. And becomes this five headed. And if you know anything about Tiamat, she has five heads, one of a white, blue, red, black, and green dragon. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. It's a cool, pretty his, twist on the lore, yeah. yeah they're his all conveniently world. aligned with the magic colors. There you go. And I'm go. still sitting here. Hashtag magic <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, something that DM Brainless Blob shared, and I thought that was a really cool aspect of his world, so we wanted to share that with you guys. All right, well with that, let's head over to the light bulb. light bulb all right so for the light bulb this week i'm going to be sharing something i used and added into my campaign as a battle mechanic that uh you guys didn't figure out last time but it was a it was happening during the battle of the crow's fort uh do you guys remember there were flag bearers at the top of the fort yeah. uh, i actually put orcs with flag minis on, like they had orcs. Yeah, with yeah I didn't think anything flags. of them. I didn't think, you think were, anything of yeah, them. I think you were just like, oh yeah, hey, there's I described that they were like waving flags and stuff. I could I, see marks. I heard you go, they're doing things. And then you said how far away they were, and I go, out of my range increment. Well, I, well I, I think if you moved know, up, you would have been able to hit them, probably. right? I, I was trying to throw on that sniper, because you built your character to be a sniper. Yeah. I could see your mind, like, your cogs working and stuff yeah. like that. I wondered if you had put those in, like, I remember seeing The Hobbit, and they had the flags up at the top. I was like, I wonder if that's what it is, but I didn't think anything else yeah. besides that. Um, so basically, what you could have is a... A different type of minion in your world is if you have a minion who carries a flag, it's going to act as a quarterstaff. So if it's an orc, it's going to be like, why would an orc carry a quarterstaff? That's not going to help him in battle. If you run up to an orc with a quarterstaff, he's not going to do anywhere as much as the regular orc who has swords. But the flag bearers 
are a morale booster to the orcs around them. And the mechanic that I added in was for each flag bearer. And we only had three in this battle because this can get broken really quickly if you add in too many. We're buying um, flags for the rest of our group. <laughs> is <laughs> We're buying uh, flag bearers. Flag bearers, as long as they're holding their flags and waving them, give a plus one to hit morale bonus. So I was kind of hoping right, since I threw that out there that Ricks was going to be like, I wonder if there's something. I got to take, at the very least, like, like how dare you wave those flags from the fort? Because I could see you were kind of thinking it. But you didn't end up doing it. I was hoping that you start taking them down, and these orcs yeah. would hit for less. But yeah, that's that's a mechanic that I thought would be a pretty cool, like just super simple to add into your campaign, and have that be a little like, oh, we gotta take down those flag bearers first because they're helping everybody. And else. it is a good way just to increase challenge rating. Of yeah. Of you know. Yeah, of an orc that like orcs are. Yeah. You guys are at level seven. Seven now. Seven think, now. Yeah. Regular orcs suck at that level. Yeah, because they're so they're not hitting except if they're critting. And then when they crit, they do actually quite a bit of damage. Yeah, they do. So it sucks. Uh, so add a couple flag bearers in for goblins, for orcs, for whatever you know you're fighting, and it can make them. It can help them be a, still a little bit of a challenge and be able to hit at least a little bit um, every now and then. I want to buy some of these for the riders of Shemesh. <laughs> People that run around with flag bearing. Oh, yeah, for the flag bearing force. It could totally be for the No, I mean, just with us, we're going to buy like. for you guys oh, to no. have somebody only carry a flag around to get a plus one. Hey, if, not it, a, if that's the mechanic. You might as well play a bard. <laughs> you can't change the rules, Mitch. If, the, if that's the flag bearing <laughs> mechanic, I'm getting 70 of these guys. Go for it. Then the horse will have 70, 70 of them. <laughs> I'm just going to figure out how to tie one to my back so I can still get <laughs> and have a flag. Oh, gosh. Um, so that's, that's a mechanic that I added in for the enemies of my world. Um, so yeah, if you would like to ah, use the flag the, bearer, there's a little asterisk. Um, the <laughs> yeah, right. So if you would like to take that and use that in your world, go for it. That's a cool little light bulb right there for you. So that's all we have for you today on this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block. We hope that you enjoyed our talk about Leonins, Noggles, Kitkin, uh, and of course Springjacks and Jar Eagles <laughs> and and Scarecrows. Uh, thank you, Magic Mark, for joining us. Yeah, always, no always a pleasure. If you would like to reach us, because you have Noggle stories now to tell us, Chris, where do they reach us to tell about you our can, Noggle stories? Yeah, you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Send all of your Noggle stories there. We will respond back to them as soon as we can, because I imagine there will be tons of them. So <laughs> I hope there will I, be I hope there are, too. I really do. Uh, you can also, if you feel so inclined, and we would love this, uh, send us a five-star review on iTunes. Just search Dungeon Masters Block on iTunes. Leave us a review there. We've got some really funny ones that we haven't said yet that we're really excited to get to. But leave us one that will outdo all the other ones in the amount that, that they are funny. You can also find us on Stitcher. Search us there. You can follow us on Twitter at, at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. Or you can like our Facebook page. And also going along with that, if you feel so kind and you love our podcast, feel free to share our plugs on Facebook for our podcast. Get the words out. Share our page with every one of your friends that likes Dungeons & Dragons. The more that we can get out into the community, the more that we can share with people about our passionate love for Dungeons & Dragons and share ideas. And uh, We just love our community. We love seeing it grow. Uh, help us to make the block party even bigger. All right, as we have had for the past three weeks, we have another Patreon member that we're giving a shout out for this week. This week, can we get a drum roll, please? We have 
Nate Hammer. Nate Hammer. Woo! Come on, I, Mark. Nate <laughs> Hammer. I, You're I awesome, love, Nate I love Hammer. his Patreon account logo. It's a, it's like the Walmart head, yeah, yeah. and its back is turned with like a little stream of water coming out of the front of him. It's just so funny. Nate Hammer is a silver dragon. Thank you so much, Nate Hammer, for your continued support. We really appreciate it. Thank You're you awesome. very much. Uh, we can't say thank you enough. But we will have to say thank you enough because we have to close out the episode. Yep. So thank you, Nate Hammer. Thank you so much. Uh, but that is all that we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. The place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other players at the table. Keep on Dungeon Master. Have a good night. Goodbye.